Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. What Amazon CEO said about unions, a $25 an hour minimum wage at healthcare facilities proposed in California. And today on the show, it's Smart Local 441 in Alabama and the United Association in Michigan. Welcome to the Monday, October 31st edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least six platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. We have two newcomers on the show today. Thomas Fisher will be joining us from Mobile, Alabama, where he serves as business manager and financial secretary treasurer of Smart Local 441. Facebook page is Sheet Metal Union 441. They don't have a, a website. But National does a little background on SMART. This is the International Association of Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers, which is one of North America's most dynamic and diverse unions. They have 203,000 members across the country. Members ensure the quality of the air we breathe, promote energy efficiency, and produce and provide the vital services that move products to market, and passengers to their destinations. Yeah, very diverse union, no doubt about that. They are sheet metal workers, service techs, bus operators, railroad engineers, conductors, sign workers, welders, production employees, and more. Smart recognizes the diversity, strengthens the workforce, benefits our communities, and makes the unionized sheet metal and transportation industry stronger and more competitive by reflecting the communities where we operate and the people we serve. Their goal is to shift the mindset of management, also of labor leaders and their respective membership to recruit, welcome, and what's really important right now, retain the most competent and skilled workforce available. What we're going to get into today is uh, information about their membership and uh, job forecasting in Alabama. You know, Alabama is a right-to-work state, and I mentioned this on the show many, many times, but there's a lot of organizing going on down there. It's probably uh, probably one state that has more unions than most right-to-work states in the South. I'm sure we'll address that as well. Ryan Bennett will be joining us later in the show. Now, he comes to us. From the United Association, this would be UA174.org, 174. Listen to this history. In July of 1891, 1891, the United Association of Journeymen and Apprentices of the Plumbing and Pipe Fitting Industry recognized and chartered Local Union 70. That was in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which made... Grand Rapids, the home of the first plumbing and pipe fitting union in the entire state of Michigan. Then, nine years later, year was 1900, local union 154 in Muskegon 
was chartered by the United Association. And for nearly a century, these two unions worked together, training and providing the best plumbing and mechanical workforce in western Michigan. Fast forward to July of 1998. The United Association, what happened then, they made sweeping mergers throughout the country. And as a result, the Muskegon and Grand Rapids locals combined to form West Michigan Plumbers, Fitters, and Service Trades Local 174, which they are today. Their jurisdiction includes 13 counties in western Michigan. And in October of 99, they opened their headquarters in Coopersville. Members have been working hard in communities in western Michigan now for 100 in 10 years. That's a history, huh? Again, UA174.org. We'll talk about prevailing wage laws. Michigan is now a right-to-work state. Yeah, you may not know that. That happened when the governor, in the middle of the night, they rammed through legislation in the state house and state senate, and the governor it was Rick Snyder at the time. He said, well, I'm really, we're really not interested in right to work. But they did it anyway. So uh, we'll get into uh, rebuilding the middle class. I mentioned prevailing wage laws and also recruiting and retention. Two very important issues. So that'll be Ryan Bennett later in the show. Unions in the news making news. This labor update brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. Offering fixed income, real estate, and equity investment options to clients across the country. You can find more at BoydWatterson.com. Well, the NLRB has filed unfair labor practice charges against Amazon. And this is in regard to the CEO's public comments. Their CEO is Andy Jassy. In two interviews one in April and one in June. This was following the Amazon labor union's win at the Stanton Island facility, JFK 8. Jassy stated that the union would make things, quote, slower, more bureaucratic, and make it more difficult for employees to have a direct relationship with management. These CEOs have to be very careful on what they say about unions. So as a result, (laughs) they're facing an unfair labor practice charge. Not surprised by that at all. Meanwhile, according to Bloomberg, since the beginning of 2020, the Labor Board has conducted almost 75% of union elections by mail, and this is primarily to accommodate the COVID-19 pandemic. However, The agency has signaled it is returning to primarily in-person elections at the employer's site as seven upcoming elections will occur primarily via in-person voting with some, some accommodation for remote workers. The Labor Board, following the CDC's lead, had previously determined whether to conduct mail-in elections as a function in part of community transmission rates. However, as of late September, this factor has been swapped out with hospitalization rates, which, of course, are far lower. 
By the way, unions won in 76% of mail-in elections compared to 68% of in-person elections, an increase that unions attribute to coercion for being on home turf. That's interesting. Now you know why they're going to try to keep mailing if possible. Should the minimum wage be $25 an hour at private health care facilities in California? Well, some are trying to make it happen. The Service Employees International Union, which is affiliated with United Healthcare Workers West, represents 100,000 health care facility support staff in California. That includes nursing assistants, technicians, security guards, and janitors. Despite the increased risk of working in healthcare due to the pandemic and, throw in, the high cost of living, wages at many private healthcare facilities have remained pretty stagnant. So, the union began a 10 city campaign to win ballot measures for a minimum wage increase in that sector. The California Association of Hospitals and Health Systems, a ballot issue committee funded, by Kaiser Permanente of Northern California, Cedars-Sinai, Dignity Health, and other private hospitals and health systems in California are now campaigning against the minimum wage by calling it an unequal pay measure as compared to pay at public hospitals. Well, SEIU has spent nearly $11 million dollars across all 10 cities, while private health care facilities also have spent almost $11 million to defeat the proposals. Kind of even, for once. Usually that's not the case. By the way, it's a Fight for 15 campaign. This is SEIU. That resulted in California being the first state to adopt a $15 minimum wage, a graduated measure, that as of this year applies to all employers with 26 or more workers. Recently, SEIU won passage of the Fast Recovery Act, which is a measure that empowers fast food workers to play a role in setting minimum industry standards and wages across the state. And let's see one more here. This comes from the New York Times. They are reporting that the percentage of people with disabilities who are employed has increased significantly compared to pre-pandemic levels with rates of increase higher than those of people without disabilities. The increase may be the result of greater openness to remote work accommodations after the pandemic, although Disability rights advocates have notably been proponents of such accommodations for decades, as well as pressure on employers from a tight labor market. By the way, nearly 2 million adults have also recently become disabled due to long COVID. That's a a big increase there. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to check in with the Sheet Metal Workers Union in Mobile, Alabama. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. Intake's Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. 
From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. Hello from the Communication Workers of America, District 4. We are a labor union representing a vast array of workers in different industries, including the Association of Flight Attendants, Telecommunications, CWA Passenger Services, Public Health Care, and Education Workers, the IUE, CWA Industrial Division, the National Association of Broadcast Employees, the CWA News Guild, not to mention our growing digital sector, and many others. If you're interested in organizing your work group or learning more about what it means to be CWA strong, visit our website at www.cwad4.org. That's cwad4.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. Before we go to our first guest i want to do a shout out here to nabtu and all the people that put together this year's trades women build nations conference it started on friday wrapped up yesterday in las vegas nevada and it was the first time in three years that they did this in person the organization was founded back in uh, 1979 as a grassroots support organization their mission to outreach, recruit, retain, and uh, develop leadership skills for women in blue-collar skilled crafts and trades. And, uh, yeah, it was done virtually for the last couple of years, like a lot of conferences because of the pandemic. But I hear it was a really good turnout. In fact, uh, Gina Walsh, who is a longtime affiliated with the Trades Women Build Nations Conference, will be joining us later this week to talk about the success of that conference. All right, let's go to Mobile, Alabama right now. And joining us on our live line is Thomas Fisher. And Thomas is business manager, financial secretary, treasurer of the Sheet Metal Workers. That's the Smart Union, International Association of Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers. One of North America's most dynamic and diverse unions nationally. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, 203,000 members. And they're sitting on about 800 members in Alabama, which is a good thing. Thomas Fisher, welcome to America's Workforce. How are we doing today, my brother? We're doing good. We're doing good, especially on my end. Just uh, looking forward to uh, starting the work week. Good. I'd like to hear more about 441. I understand you do uh, 
a lot with a shipyard. We'll get into that. But first, I always ask my guests how they got involved in the trades. And uh, every story is a little bit different. I like to hear yours. Go ahead. Yeah, no, mine uh, mine started, granted, a uh, very long time ago. Uh, I'm a third-generation sheet metal worker. Uh, my father was a business manager of Local 441. My grandfather was a business manager of Local 441. Uh, so I actually saw it from the ground up. I saw it as a kid and, uh, I was, you know, union was very rooted, rooted into my, uh, you know, life. Uh, I saw it firsthand and to be perfectly honest, there was a long time in my life where I really didn't want to be involved in it. Uh, I went through, uh, school, went through high school, went into college and, um, I was actually doing well in college. I was going into my third year, uh, here uh, in at, at a university here in Lower Alabama, the University of South Alabama, and I found out I was going to be a father. And uh, at that point in time, I, I stopped uh, going to school, stopped going to college, and I joined the trade and um, went to work on my tools and uh, was working actively for one of our union contractors for about 12 years. And uh, in that time frame, I ran for my multiple set of offices down there at the union hall, ran for executive board, ran for recording secretary, uh, ran for vice president and president. And then when the former business manager decided to retire, I, uh, I stepped up and ran and I ran for his position and, uh, I ran unopposed. So, uh, uh, now I'm actively in my second term as business manager of local 441. So, uh, Hopefully somebody thinks I'm doing a good job. <laughs> I love that. I like the part where you found out you're going to be a dad. Boy, that's a life-changing moment in itself, isn't it? Uh, pretty much, because uh, I was probably, let's see, I was I was 20 at the time. So uh, now he's, uh, he's 13, going on 14, about to enter uh, his freshman year. Well, this coming fall, he'll enter yeah. his freshman year and in high school. So, um, I tell him all the time, uh, when I, which I'm standing eye to eye with him now, uh, you know, you're probably the reason why I am where I am today. So, uh, he, uh, uh, all, all my three children, they're, um, you know, they're, they're my reason for pushing every day and everything that I do. Yeah. You, you think you're going to try to get them into the trades as well to, to keep that line going? <laughs> well, uh, I tell them all the time, you know, it, it's, uh, it, I, I would, I would like for them to go their own way, uh, blaze their own path. Uh, ultimately, uh, you know, that's what I had envisioned for myself. But granted, if, uh, if their path turns and, you know, it's uh, it's something that you know they want to get involved with the trade. I definitely wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't turn my head to it. I would. I would explain everything to them and everything that I want them to. Uh, you know, make sure that they understand what it's about before they start it. Right. And uh, you know, lead them in the best direction that I could. Now, Tom, as you know, the the smart union has uh, a lot of diversity to it. I mean, it's sheet metal, service techs, bus operators, railroad. Can, wh- wh- where do you fit in on all that? Well, granted, uh, you know, for our union hall, you know, we're we're pretty much strictly sheet metal. Now, granted, uh, some of our contractors, and I think it's because of our demographic and where we're from uh, in the South, and, you know, 
granted when we come through the training of course we were and we we're taught ventilation hvac duct were also fabrication so we also have a couple of shops down here that do specialty work where um you know an individual can come in the door and uh you know if they you know want some kind of elaborate uh barbecue grill or certain things along that line we also um we also have a couple of tab techs down in the area we also um do a, a variety of different things but i'll you know i also tell all our guys you know what really and truly matters as long as the contractor's paying your hourly wage rate and make sure they're paying your friends benefits you know sometimes times get lean and mm-hmm. if the contractor needs you to go over to their house and do something uh and you have the capability of doing it uh you know we kind of step up and help out the challenge yeah yeah and they won't forget that too when you do that that you give them that personal touch will they no no you're you're exactly right because there's uh there's been a many a time and i think we all can uh say that in the craft uh you know no matter whether you're sheet metal worker pipe fitter plumber uh electrician that your your skills you know, a little bit broader than what you actually do on a day-to-day basis. And uh, when the contractors realize that you're very well-rounded, um, you know, they 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 take that for, you know, a, a good thing, a positive yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you when you talk about being well-rounded and all that, uh, and, and like I said, it, it, you, sheet metal workers, well, SMART encompasses so many different things. And every local is pretty unique. And as you pointed out, yours yours is primarily sheet metal. That being said, how are we uh, how are we faring in uh, in the workload in Mobile, Alabama? And, and is your jurisdiction all around Mobile? Maybe you can address that first, and then tell me about the the workload. Yeah, uh, well, I'll start off with our jurisdiction. Our jurisdiction covers forty seven counties, and those forty seven counties in lie in southern mississippi all the way over to the state line of louisiana they uh they cover basically the lower uh counties of mississippi through alabama granted our jurisdiction kind of uh goes up to about the montgomery area which is the state capital of alabama and then um it goes all the way over into the panhandle down to about panama city um so granted we actually cover jurisdiction in we actually covered in four states. I know Steve Langley don't want to hear this in '85, uh, but we cover four counties over there in uh, western Georgia, southwestern Georgia. But uh, I always mess with him about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we uh, we have a pretty broad jurisdiction. I know when uh, we constantly get calls from uh, you know different uh, wide ranging contractors that are bidding work in some very rural areas in uh whether it be in florida or alabama and they'll call us up and ask us hey do you cover jurisdiction in this area or am i you know making the call to the right person it's like yeah no you're you're calling the right person i just need to get in here on a map and look where you're actually uh bidding this job at so uh, mm-hmm. boy that's uh, a it's a wide area that's that's a lot of territory, and, and as far as the work that goes around there, is it pretty steady right now? What's what's your answer to that? Right right now, I will say that there has been a lull probably in the past month month and a half. I know that you know I keep a very 
you know, quick contact with my contractors or the locals contractors as far as their work. And I think you can echo this throughout pretty much all the locals in the United States. I know some of the other locals are, you know, uh, in a, a process of ramping up. And I feel like the same thing's coming for us just right now. There's a lot of things on backlog as far as the contractors trying to get their equipment uh, in, uh, whether it be a unit, whether it be a chiller, whether it be something along the lines to make the job, you know, go a little bit further into the process. But right now, there's a lot of things on back order, and it's affecting uh, workload. It's affecting our membership as far as, um, you know, not being able to handle layoffs because we've had a brash of layoffs here lately. Good thing about it is um, I've been able to switch a lot of those guys over. Uh, we've had some outages going on in the area as far as uh, Barry Steam Plant, which is very closely um, centralized to our local. It's only about a 35-minute drive. And uh, we have had a few other outages in our jurisdiction that I've been able to kind of move our membership around, so to speak. And then the rest of the individuals that have been laid off, uh, there's been a few of them that have wanted to travel and go to other jurisdictions and help out uh, mm -hmm. other locals. And we've, you know, made sure that we, you know, fulfilled that need and sent them out of town and, and allowed them to, uh, you know, do what they wanted to do. Well, Tom, what you just said speaks to the uh, the apprenticeship program and the fact that your members, and this is national, you have a lot of skills. I mean, if something, if there's a hiccup in a certain industry, like what you're talking about right now, you have the ability to say, okay, you're not going to do sheet metal today, but we've got some service issues in XYZ area. So that seems to be... And I, I guess that's the picture that you're painting here with uh, with what's going on right now, Tom? Well, I wouldn't say granted so much on the uh, service side of things, but I will say that um, I know one uh, circumstance in, in particular, there's been a lot of architectural work and different things going on, you know, throughout the South. It's kind of uh, we've had some local contractors from the northern uh, local union perspective that have come down here and has done architectural work in our area. So it's made our membership that much more versed in another aspect of the trade. And uh, now it's kind of coming around full circle where, granted, our work is kind of trending down in the architectural side of things. But, uh, you know, around the country, it's still going on. And, you know, every now and then you get a a manpower request or a job bank call or something along those lines calling for architectural sheet metal workers. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, our guys may see that uh, online or on the job bank or something along those lines. And then uh, they call me up or my organizer and say, hey, uh, you know, I just got off this job, you know, working for MG McGrath. Is there any way we can go out of, you know, town and go to work? You know, I want to still stay doing architectural. And, uh, of course, you know, we, we try and make sure we make that happen. Yeah, yeah. The bottom line, I think, where I want to go with that is is the skills that you learn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. when, when, you, when you become an apprentice, you, nobody can take that away from you, you know? You, you learn that. And, and, okay, if it's not happening in Mobile, Alabama, it's going to happen somewhere else. And you've got pretty, right. 
pretty uh, big jurisdiction, as you indicated there, with the 47 counties. Tom, can you stay with us for, for another segment? I understand there's some work at a shipyard that's uh, yeah, consuming. Yeah, no, I, I, think, uh, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Okay, good, 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 good. You just hang in there, brother. Thomas Fisher <laughs> joining us on our live line. He's business manager, financial secretary, treasurer of Sheet Metal, local union 441 in Mobile, Alabama, Louisiana. Let's see, uh, touching Georgia a little bit. Uh, it's, it's a big area. It's a big area. Ryan Bennett will be joining us later in the show on behalf of the United Association, and he is in western Michigan. That would be UA Local 174. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrans. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. The United Steelworkers of America represent over 70,000 workers in the state of Ohio. Steelworker members enjoy the benefits of some of the best contracts of any workers in the world. Many of your friends, neighbors, and relatives are members of one of the most effective Democratic unions in our country. With the pressures unorganized workers are under in today's economy, you need to join them. So call the Steelworkers Organizing Office at 216-292-5683 or toll-free at 1-800-443-3752. Hi, this is Liz Schuler, president of the AFL-CIO, and I am a huge fan of Flash and America's Workforce Radio and Podcast. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. Now... Back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. When you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings. By the way, if you do like a show, share that show. And uh, that... Uh, increases our downloads which is something our sponsors like so if you miss something awfpodcast.com awfpodcast.com speaking of sponsors this segment brought to you in part by the north coast labor federation let's go back to mobile alabama mobile alabama thomas fisher joining us on line number one he is a sheet metal worker and he is a business manager financial secretary treasurer of smart local 441 47 counties touching various states big jurisdiction you're telling me off the air about well you got 800 members and i guess what 500 are working at a shipyard can you give me some details on that tom yeah so uh granted uh it uh 
441 hasn't covered jurisdiction in that shipyard, you know, throughout the whole history of the local. But here, probably 30 years ago, we gained, um, you know, uh, I guess our umbrella and we joined uh, the Pascagoula Metal Trades, which holds the bargaining power, the bargaining unit, their majority bargaining unit over that shipyard. And in over time, they have actually, uh, and uh, I'll get to this later on, but we're actually trying to pick up another department down there. But we actually hold jurisdiction over three departments down there, 22 department, which that being sheet metal workers, 17 department, which that being joiners and uh, some insulators. And then also we own or have jurisdiction in 10 department, which is carpenters and scaffold builders. So uh, we actually represent... Uh, a a kind of wide ranging uh, group of people down there. Granted, uh, those individuals are not specifically trained, or some of them are not specifically trained to do cheap metal work. But that doesn't, you know, mean that we can't represent those people. Make sure that they're well represented when we file grievances and things of that nature. And you know, um, it's just something that has kind of presented itself in front of the local in the past. And we stepped up to the plate and said, uh, you know, we won't, we don't have any problem doing that. And, uh, it was awarded to us. So it's mm-hmm. a good thing. That's a real good thing. You know, in this conversation with you, Tom, it sounds like you have a pretty decent relationship with, with the contractors and that's important, uh, you know, for all trades to have that relationship, a good working relationship. That being said, you know, there's a lot of non-union contractors out there especially in the south and uh, the fact that you're dealing with the right to work that's another conversation but how are we doing with uh, maybe getting some of those non-union contractors over to 441 is is that happening i i know the work you mentioned the work is a little bit slow right now i'm just wondering if that gives you an opportunity at this time to maybe step it up a few notches when it comes to organizing no, granted, it, it's a, uh, you know, 441, uh, I'm in the second year of having my, my, I guess, my guy as far as the organizer that I have down there at 441. And his name's Richard Jennings, and I've developed an organizing policy for him. Granted, it, it, it may be, a, you know, a little far-fetched, but uh, I believe it's something that's very achievable. But I told him when, you know, we brought him on down there in the local that I want his goal to be to sign at least one contractor every year he's down there. So granted uh, that, uh, you know, that may be an abstract thing, but I think up to this point, you know, he's done a very good job and he's fulfilled those wants. I know that in the three years that I've been down there at the local, we've signed two contractors and we're in the process of talking to another one. Uh, and it's, it's producing work for our membership. It's producing, uh, you know, extra jobs because we, we say all the time, you know, it it seems like we lose our contractors far faster than we gain them. So, um, it's, it's, it's a very difficult thing. I'll, I'll say that, you know, I can echo that just like it is with every local union. Uh, it's not, um, you almost have to find the perfect situation where, you know, a contractor has a need that non-union contractor is already, you know, thinking of things that they can do in order to make their company better. They're struggling. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times when you can catch a contractor 
that is struggling in some department, whether it be manpower, supervision, or just workforce. Now, granted, uh, you know, our success stories have always stemmed from where we had something to offer that that contractor needed uh, because I think every one of us, you know, listening to the podcast can say, you know, if, if, if a non-union contractor came to you with the issue and you couldn't fulfill it, well, of course, what, what's their uh, viewpoint of us going forward past that? It's the yeah. same thing it was that we all think it would be. Union can't help me. So uh, you, you've got to be able to step up to the plate. You've got to be able to uh, fulfill the need, so to speak. Well, it sounds like you got the right guy for the job. Richard Jennings, did I get that name correct? Was That's that your organ? correct. Okay. That's correct. He, uh, he actually, uh, when I went on my tools as a first-year apprentice, he was the very first journeyman that I worked for uh, when I went on my tools. So it, uh, it kind of came full circle. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I learned through my apprenticeship on the job training up under him. He was a shop fabricator and uh, learned a lot of good, hard lessons from him. He, he didn't sugarcoat things for me. And uh, now, he, now he's working up under me for the own staff at the Union Hall. So uh, I like uh, everything's kind of come full circle. No sugarcoating. We want the real story here. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do me a favor. Um, after the show is done, maybe you could text me his number, and we'll bring him on the show. Sounds like somebody I'd like okay. to talk to. Okay. Okay. We'll do. One more question here before you go. Um, getting new members, and I don't know what the average age is in a 441. Maybe you can uh, kind of ballpark that, but we're always trying to get young people, especially in the high schools, because there's a push for college. And I'm sure down there in uh, Mobile, Alabama, it's no different than anywhere else. There's there's kids that want to go to college. They they don't want to get their hands dirty. How how we how we doing with that as far as getting young people in the trades, Tom? I think we're being very successful in it. The um, And I'll say the average age probably in our local is probably in the low 30s, which is very young in my yeah. personal opinion. Very it, young. Um, and granted, I, you know, you can attribute that to a lot of things. But granted, when I say you know, lower thirties, I'm, I'm talking about building trades. I'm not really talking about the shipyard down there. It, it, which even down there, um, it would probably be the same because they've had a very infused young workforce down there as well. But, um, I will say here probably in the past couple of years, um, you know, we've, we've brought in a lot of apprentices. We've also lost a lot of apprentices, um, just in, you know, and it's going to happen. You're, you're going to bring in young individuals that, uh, believe that they want to do it. And, you know, ultimately we wish that all of them would be a hundred percent, um, you know, success story, but, and, you know, in a real world, you know, people start doing things and they realize, okay, I'm not really suited for this. So this is not cut out for me. And, um, you know, for whatever reason they choose to go in a different direction. Uh, our biggest thing right now is trying to make sure, uh, because we haven't had language changed in our apprenticeship program in a long time, and we're trying to get our wage rates up in, in as far as the structuring system in our training program. So therefore, our apprentices, we can 
bring them in at a wage rate where it's very competitive and uh, with the rest of the crafts, along with all the other uh, opportunities that an individual has coming out of high school to go certain places and work. We want a good wage rate, a good uh, benefit system set up for them. And uh, right now we're you know, actively involved in talking to our contractors and making them see that this is something that is needed very, very badly in order to make it work where we can recruit and bring the individual in that the contractors are looking for. And that, that's the main thing we've got to make them see right now. Thomas Fisher is his name, and he is the business manager, financial secretary-treasurer of Sheet Metal Local Union 441, part of the uh, International Association of Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers. And you can just go on Facebook and find out more about them at Sheet Metal Union 441. Tom, it was a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. And feel free to share this podcast with uh, all your union brothers and sisters and and from that point on, who knows where it's going to end up. So I appreciate your time and your dedication. Okay, brother? I appreciate y'all having me on. I enjoyed it, you know, from the very start to the very end. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, maybe y'all could possibly have me on in the future. You got it. You and also your organizing director, Richard Jennings. Uh, definitely look forward to talking to him. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. Ryan Bennett is with the UA United Association 174 out of Western Michigan. He's coming up next. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers' International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. The United Auto Workers are one of the largest and most diverse unions in North America, with members in virtually every sector of the economy. Learn more about this proud sponsor of our program at UAW.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the US, US, Canada, Canada, and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. The AFL-CIO is a proud sponsor of America's Workforce Radio. United by efforts to raise wages, listeners to this show and workers all across America are beginning to turn a corner and drive the economic debate. The AFL-CIO is comprised of 12.5 million working people, but we stand with and fight for everyone who is working for a better life. For more information about our Raising Wages agenda, go to AFLCIO.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Let's go to Western Michigan right now. And join Ryan Bennett. Ryan is a business manager of United Association Local 174, UA174.org is a website. 
And as I indicated at the top of the show, this is a local with a very rich history going back to 1891 when it started as a local 70. Then they merged with 154 in Muskegon. And then in uh, the late 90s, the United Association made some mergers, and that's how uh, 174 was formed. Ryan Bennett, welcome to America's Workforce. How are we doing today, my brother? Doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. So 20 years with the the 174. How did you get involved in the trades? I always ask this to our, our guests just to get an indication of what made them go in that direction. So what's your story? Yeah, I had a father. Uh, my dad was in the trade and two of my uncles were in the trade. So I kind of grew up in and around the trade, but never really thought I wanted to do that for a living. Uh, we went to college, got an associate's degree, transferred to a four-year university. And about my senior year, I figured out what my business administration degree was going to pay. And I uh, dropped out and joined the apprenticeship. <laughs> well, you got some business skills. Does that help you as a business manager now? I would like to think so, and uh, and so would my parents who flipped the bill for some of those credit hours. <laughs> yeah, college is pricey today, no doubt about that. Now, with, with what you just told me, are, are you going to the various schools? I know your jurisdiction is, uh, what, 13 counties in western Michigan. Are you telling the young kids today, hey, you know what? You might consider the apprenticeship program because, well, I can tell you what my college debt is and what my parents are paying for. Is is that story coming out? Yeah, that seems to be all the narrative right now, especially when you see the rising cost of tuition and the wage stagnation on the backside of a four-year degree. The trades have never been a more appealing option. So so how's uh, the work at uh, 174 right now? Work's been fairly steady over the last three years. You know, we haven't had a large job. Usually we have like one large industrial job that keeps 50 to 60 guys busy uh, for a year and a half, two years. We haven't had one of those, but we've been hovering right around full employment. Uh, a couple lulls here and there, a couple spikes here and there. But for the most part, we've been very fortunate to have just about enough work to keep all the members working. Ryan, while you uh, were working at 174, Michigan went right to work, which was a, was a surprise to so many. How has that affected uh, your union? Well, you know, as you know, it's just an, another uh, attack on organized labor as a whole. Uh, you know, us in the building trades haven't seen a huge effect by it. Um, but our brothers and sisters with the other unions have definitely felt it. I mean, anytime your revenue stream is a- able to opt out of pain uh, and still enjoy the benefits of membership, it makes it a difficult proposition for, for some of the organizations. Now, what about prevailing wage? Do they attack prevailing wage in Michigan as well, along with right to work? Yeah, that's really unfortunate. Uh, you know, prevailing wage went away during the same administration as we got right to work. Um, you know, and, and it makes it incredibly difficult for us to compete when our competition is able to win work in the public sphere based on paying their people less than than the going rate for that for that labor uh, in and around town. Now, you have a Democratic governor, but I, I believe your legislature is uh, far to the right. Is anybody? Or I don't know if it's a possibility at all. We got, of course, elections here right around the corner, just uh, over a week away. Is anybody trying to change that to maybe go back to what it used to be? Yeah, we're hoping that uh, now that we've got some fair maps, you know, we had a ballot initiative. We had a Citizens Independent Redistricting Commission draw some different lines. So, 
you know, hopefully we're able to flip the legislature and finally get it into the hands of some, some pro worker folks. We've been, uh, under a Republican Senate majority since 1984, and uh, got a really good opportunity if, the, the, if we're able to turn out the vote to make some changes uh, in the legislature that should benefit working families. Now, are, you, you mentioned turning out the vote, and I know unions are pretty much, all unions are mobilized right now. Can you speak to what 174 is doing in western Michigan, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're focused on uh, on getting the information in front of our members. I mean, we would love to have uh, a more bipartisan, labor-friendly endorsement slate, but unfortunately, uh, you know, a lot of the Republican candidates are under the thumb of big business, and uh, big business is very unified in trying to drive down wages in our area. So it's an uphill fight. Uh, you know, the, we've got a, a lot of conservative members um, that don't always vote based on economics, uh, which is the only thing that, that we usually vote on. Well, let me ask you this. Do you reach out to those conservatives? And I bring this this conversation up because we talk to a lot of trades around the country, and it seems to me that many members are very, very unaware of what unions do, especially when it comes to their apprenticeship program, that it's it's funded by the union. It's not tax money. Is that happening in your area? Yeah, anytime we get in front of people that aren't familiar with the, the setup, the, the way we're organized uh, in the structure of our apprenticeship programs, we definitely tout on, you know, being 100% privately funded. Uh, just because those public dollars are, you know, in such high demand and everybody wants their hand in the pot, we've been able to uh, to create and sustain a model that uh, is based solely on member investment and making sure we have that next generation trained so we can... Uh, Keep those pension checks rolling for our retirees. And, and what about reaching out to the the non union contractors and, and showing them, say, well, you know what, you, you want better wages, you want better benefits, you want a decent pension, you might want to come to one seventy four. Uh, how has that been? I know it's difficult, obviously, with you know the challenges of right to work and the fact they have attacked prevailing wage, but uh, that's got to be still continuing. Can you maybe give us some details on that? Yeah, we've got an organizing branch that's uh, it's statewide, organized through our Michigan Pipe Trades Association, which there's about 11 other locals just like ours that represent the state of Michigan. And we all throw in, and we've got an entire team of organizers that are out talking to non-union workers every single day, if nothing else, to make them aware of the benefits and the pay and the training structure uh, on the union side. So at the very least, you know, if they have to go into the, their employer and talk about a raise, at least they'll be armed with accurate information as to the wages and benefits that the industry can sustain. Now, your apprenticeship program, can you speak to that? I'm hearing good things about what the United Association has put together. Um, first of all, how is the program? Maybe give us some details on it. And also, uh, are we are we getting a lot of uh, young people involved in it? Yeah, yeah. The apprenticeship is obviously one of the big areas of pride for the United Association. We invest heavily in making sure our next generation is equipped with the latest skills and technology to make our employer partners competitive in a in a very difficult market. So, uh, yeah, right now we've got about 120 apprentices. We're, we're trending up, trying to get a little closer to that 200 mark. Work is going to be really good in the next three to five years. Got some large industrial projects coming, so. 
Uh, we're investing in training. Uh, you know, last time we went out for applications for apprenticeships, we take about 30 apprentices, give or take, each year. Uh, and we had over 300 apply. So, you know, the, the good thing about the United Association is we're equipped to train people. We don't necessarily need you to come with this extensive skill set. We need people that are motivated, that are willing to work hard, and that show up every day on time. And we'll, we have the resources uh, and the knowledge base from our journeyman members to, to make them into uh, a good United Association hands. Ryan, you mentioned large projects ahead. Can you give us a little glimpse of what uh, what kind of work is is about to happen? Sure, we've got an uh, there's an LG Chem battery plant expansion uh, that's north of a billion dollars taking place in Holland. Uh, we've got a a potash plant, a fertilizer plant that's uh, going up in the northern end of our jurisdiction. Hopefully, we'll get a definitive start date and time schedule later this year for that. Uh, there's also a resin plant and vaccine resin uh, that's going to be retrofit uh, a chemical plant in northern Muskegon. Uh, and then there was just recently a big battery plant announcement up at the Big Rapids area uh, that, that could be coming down the pike. So lots of industrial work. Uh, so we're, the biggest challenge for not only our local, but for the United Association as a whole is making sure we meet the demand. We're well equipped to be able to get workers uh, and get them up to speed and get them trained and, and turn them out for these uh, these job sites. And we've got to do just that over the next three to five years if we want to grow. So you're at uh, 1,000 members right now, and you've been, you've been business manager, you said, for five years. Maybe in the next three to five years, where would you like to see that number, Ryan? Well, so, you know, obviously, in, in, in times like this, when, when the economy is going well and there's a lot of construction demand, the industry as a whole is going to grow. So it's either going to grow in the organized sector uh, with our membership or the non-union sector. We just prefer it be us. So we're out recruiting. We're investing in recruiting. We're going to, uh, you know, start running some TV ads. You'll hear us on radio. We want to make sure that we focus on those folks with uh, with a little bit of experience that, you know, may be curious about the benefits of joining a union. Yeah, get that word out there. Well, that's what this show tries to do every day, Monday through Friday, that is. Ryan Bennett joining us on our live line today, business manager of UA Local 174. You can find more at ua174.org. Any parting words, my brother? No, I just appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I'm very uh, I'm very fortunate for the work that you do. Uh, hopefully, uh, we, we're seeing uh, union favorability tick up. You know, we, we definitely need more people in this country working under collective bargain agreements, uh, and we appreciate the, the things that you do, sir. Amen to that, brother. All right, that's it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, Tim Berga of the Ohio AFL-CIO, and we'll check in with the St. Paul, Minnesota Building Trades. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.